On this week's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Thomas Howell Robson Carnu. Thomas is an internationally capped footballer who has scored the goal of the tournament at Euro 2016. Thomas experienced the power of turmeric following a career-stalling knee injury. Aged to 17, medical professionals told Thomas that he should give up his aspirations of being a professional footballer due to the severity of his injuries. Every time he trained, Thomas would be met with severe inflammation that even prescribed tablets could not relieve. Determined to achieve his childhood dream, Thomas and his father began to explore natural remedies to reduce the excruciating pain caused by post-operative swelling. Research led them to develop a fresh, powerful and flavoursome formula of raw ingredients such as pomegranate, ginger and turmeric. Using the natural anti-inflammatory properties of these superfoods, Thomas started to drink this homemade blend every day. After just three months of consistently taking the formula, his crippling symptoms were eased and he was able to return to the pitch stronger than ever. 15 years later, Thomas spotted a gap for a completely natural turmeric-based blend in a market that was already saturated with sugary, processed health drinks. The Turmeric Co. was launched in 2018 and has since become a big hit across elite sports clubs due to their high-grade shot formula. Thomas, absolutely delighted to have you on the Purpose Led Leadership Podcast. We connected on LinkedIn. Um, For those who are listening, tell us what turmeric is and does. Yeah, so no, firstly, thank you very much for having me today, Chris. We're really excited about, about being on here. Um, everything that we do is is with a purpose. So I felt the synergies were really good. And mm-hmm. as you mentioned, you know, connecting on, on LinkedIn. Uh, turmeric is a raw, natural root, um, often grown in um, specific climates, uh, hot climates in the likes of uh, Costa Rica, Cuba, um, parts of Africa, uh, parts of India. Um, and essentially it is a natural root which has been used for the most part as a herb. Um, uh, traditionally in terms of cooking, um, most recently in terms of cooking, but historically it's been used as a uh, natural remedy to support uh, health through natural nutrition. Mm-hmm. And that is why I essentially began using it um, over 15 years ago now uh, to support my recovery from surgeries that I had had as a teenager mm-hmm. um, and subsequently needed support naturally to recover from those surgeries. Mm. Uh, and we turned to uh, the likes of uh, turmeric, uh, other natural ingredients such as, such as ginger, watermelon, pomegranate, pineapple, mm-hmm. which is what consists of, you know, the turmeric shots that we now deliver to, to uh, people throughout the UK yeah. and hopefully beyond. But uh, but yeah, so essentially that is what turmeric is and being a, you know, uh, international Premier League footballer yeah. mo- moving into mm. you know, the, the, the world of uh, consumer packaged goods, you know, fast moving consumer goods mm. uh, and de- delivering a brand in the turmeric code to market um, is something which we're, we're really passionate about because ultimately, as mentioned, it is around supporting people with health through natural mm. nutrition in the form of our range. Thank you for that. It's a, a transition from playing football at the highest level to, to building a business. We can we can delve we can delve into that certainly. Um, you mentioned surgeries. Um, didn't you have two major, very major injuries? Is that right? Is that is that the the reason why you then kind of built the business? Yeah, so I had two 
uh, anterior cruciate knee ligament surgeries. Wow. So that's like the main, it's one of the largest ligaments in your, in your body. It's the main ligament in your knee. And it is basically what holds your knee together and prevents it from basically collapsing from side to side. Mm-hmm. So mine was completely ruptured um, through a bad tackle. Um, and I had a surgery which was uh, over a year in terms of rehabilitation post-surgery. Mm. And then I then had uh, unfortunately suffered the same injury again wow. and then required another surgery and then another 12 months of rehabilitation following that surgery. Mm. But after the second surgery, the surgeon told my father um, when I was only you know 16 at the time that I would never play without pain or restriction again. Right, uh, and that I certainly wouldn't play to the sporting level that I had hoped to play at, mm-hmm. um, because of the restriction that I would now have yes. in my body, and so uh, going through the rehabilitation, going through the recovery, twelve months following the second surgery, I then began playing and training again, but I couldn't play or train consistently mm-hmm. without my knee swelling up, without mm-hmm. experiencing severe pain. Um, and it was at that point where the physios and the doctors at the time uh, began giving me anti-inflammatories, yeah, which are basically you know drugs, mm-hmm. um, uh, painkillers, mm-hmm. um, you know, all, all licensed. Uh, but my body had adverse effects to them, so I started passing blood in my urine, had severe nausea, couldn't sleep, and so my body was rejecting these, mm. um, you know, synthetic medicines, mm-hmm. um, which were used to really sort of take the edge off the pain yeah they obviously weren't dealing with the root cause of of the of the pain of course and so it was at that point where I had to either look at alternatives uh, to help me recover or stop playing yeah stop stop my passion of of becoming a professional of my ambition of becoming a professional athlete and so it was at that point where uh, my father and I, we began looking at all of these natural remedies, mm-hmm. all different alternatives to supporting recovery through nutrition. Yeah. Because we were like, there must be a way out there that I can recover. There Surely there is a way which, you know, ingredients or uh, practices out there which could help recover the the, the issues that I was experiencing, which was mm. pain, inflammation, swelling. Um in a natural way, which wouldn't cause adverse effects to my body, right. uh, which obviously the painkillers were. And so we went on this massive research binge, went to the public library, library again. At this t- moment in time, there wasn't the wealth of information. How old were you then? The How internet. long ago was this? So this was, so I was 17. So, right. so uh, very young still. Years, yeah, right. okay. so 15 years. Yeah. And um, yeah, so the internet wasn't what it was today. There was a bit of fragmented information, mm-hmm. but we, we began sort of identifying some reoccurring patterns of ingredients which supported health, mm. whether it was in Eastern medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, uh, you know, centuries ago practices where they would use wow. these ingredients. And so you were, you were determined to kind of really research this, weren't you? Mm. Yeah, of course, because it was either that or stop playing professional mm. football, which was my um, ambition. And I was, you know, ever since I was a little boy, I wanted to play at the very highest level. So I needed to physically be able to recover. Mm. Um, and so we looked at all of these ingredients and it was the ingredients such as pineapple, pomegranate, watermelon, ginger, and then subsequently turmeric. Yeah. And these ingredients were used at, su- at some form or some stage 
um, in civilization as a way of a means mm -hmm. of recovery, yeah. a means to uh, provide optimum health. Um, and ultimately it was around getting these natural ingredients because it was all about having it in its raw form, right. uh, you know, not powdered, not sure. you know, di uh, uh, compromised in any way, mm. in its rawest form, mm. in a convenient manner into my body. And so my dad basically began bought all of these ingredients, began testing them and trying to turn these into a blend. Wow. What, I, in his I, kitchen yeah. at home or did he have... I mean, yeah, so wow. it was in, in, in the kitchen at home. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was uh, it, it was around two weeks where trial and error. And I think looking back now, where <clears> I was quite fussy as a teenager and as a kid growing up, it actually helped my dad to create a great tasting effective product mm. because the first iterations you know after a few days they were terrible they tasted yeah. awful and I, I would not have been able to have taken them on a daily basis so you know I communicated that with my dad and he went back and looked at how different ways to, to try and get the consistency to the level that yeah obviously I needed how did you get that taste because I've um, I've been using your product for uh, the last couple of months and I've, I've kind of feel the benefits i didn't know it was you until i kind of researched it so for me personally i love it but like with anything that's good for you it doesn't normally taste that good so what did you do to get that taste better than others <laughs> that was just down to my dad it was just the the combination and the ratio of the ingredients right. you know so you know pineapple is is really fantastic in bromelain you know in terms right. of the, the ingredient bromelain mm. really helps as an antioxidant etc but is also a natural sweeter taste yeah. than say turmeric or ginger mm. um same as pomegranate you know pomegranate is packed with antioxidants you know we're, we're crushing whole pomegranate seeds <laughs> you know from the pod into these in, into each product and it was about ultimately getting the ratio between those key ingredients as well as the ginger yeah. and turmeric but the real key that which we established at that stage was watermelon so right. the watermelon we use as a base okay so we don't use water we don't use apple juice and we don't use orange juice mm. now if you look at every other product on the market yeah, which yeah. sells a shot format it's either sold with water apple juice or orange juice mm. and what those are they're ultimately cheap fillers yeah yeah whereas what we wanted to do we wanted to make every single ingredient which went into the finished product yes a functional ingredient and so watermelon as the base was the key mm. now you know to to scale that out which is obviously what we've done now you know you're we're crushing you know fleshing tons upon tons of whole watermelon wow. on a weekly basis now yeah yeah but that was what we did in the original blend and again that it's these it's that that process and the the makeup of of it that has ultimately allowed for us to deliver a yeah. really great tasting but effective product i mean to have two very very career-threatening injuries at such a young age you know the life of a footballer is very short as we know i want to talk about um, you know the struggles that footballers have after their career has ended, but it feels as if although that or those two instances were extremely traumatic for you, it's kind of given you your purpose. And also talking to you, it feels that the values and the quality of your product is really important to you, and, and the why you're doing it as well. Do you want to sort of touch on that in terms of kind of using your adversity to then not just create any old product, but a product with meaning and purpose? Mm. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, as you said, the, the journey which I went on um, in terms of my own professional career was facilitated because of this product. Mm. And so 
it was in 2016 after the Euros, you know, the, the famous Euros where, you know, I scored that. Yeah. People would call a wonder goal as a nation. We qualified and got through to the semi-finals. It was a goal of the tournament, wasn't it? Goal of the tournament. Mm. And so after that period, you know, I was in a, a retail store mm. in London and I saw a turmeric shot on the shelf. Mm-hmm. And throughout the whole period, you know, a decade pr- prior, I was using our turmeric shots on a daily basis, which right. my, dad, my father was creating. Right. Um, and up until that point, you know, we'd begun giving it to friends, families, uh, your family members, teammates were using this this shot, this product mm-hmm. um, on a on a consistent basis whenever they needed support for, from a natural right. means. Okay. And um, I saw this turmeric shot on the shelf in, in a, a retail store, really delighted because it meant finally someone had realized the power of this natural ingredient mm. but more importantly the importance of giving it in the format of a natural right raw product sure right? sure so not powdered not capsules not, um, addi- um, additives or not additives artificial... you know exactly yeah, you know, yeah. There, there's for example there's turmeric capsules on the market mm-hmm. which are you know probably contain 20% turmeric and the rest is you know yeah. synthetic sure. or and so you know going down the natural route so really excited bought a load of these off the shelf took them back to my dad's really you know delighted to try them and, and add them into our routine yeah. and have and stop making them moving forwards because we'd ruined you know dozens of blenders stained fingertips stained utensils mm. in our household <laughs> just to deliver this product yeah yeah and uh, we went to drink it and we literally had to spit it out we couldn't believe how inferior it was to what we had created and we were okay. using at home. Mm-hmm. And so it was at that point where we realized that there were people in need and who were purchasing products like this, mm. but for a reason. They wanted help. They needed yeah. help. You know, yeah, no one yeah. picks up a turmeric shot, shot or a ginger shot without purpose behind it. You know, they're looking for Mm. a natural benefit from Mm. these raw natural ingredients. And so it was only when we then spun the bottle and looked at the back and we saw, you know, 80% apple juice, you know, 5% turmeric powder, you know, um, zero other bioavailable ingredients, Mm. zero other functional ingredients, which supported the absorption. Yes. Um, And it was at that point where we were like, wow, there's obviously a growing market for this now. Consumers mm. are in need, yeah. But this is what they've got as an option. Sure. Yeah. And it, and it was again, it was a light bulb moment for us because we just realised we have to bring what we were making, yeah, in our in our kitchens to market and at scale. And that and that was the that was the the start of the journey really. And and ultimately, mm. the objective has always been around bringing that exact same product and quality that yes. had changed my life yes to people in all different walks of life i want to delve into that and how you scaled the business and how you've kept your values but i also want to go back now to your life as as a footballer as everyone knows football is probably one of the most competitive sports in the world right it's all about performance all about results isn't it and um i think leadership has changed recently i think there's more focus on compassion and kind of understanding but as a player if you were to go to your coach or manager and say you had mental health problems for example I'd bet my bottom dollar you'd be out of the team what's your experience of mental health uh, for you personally in football and what do you think the industry can do more of to help players 
Yeah, m- mental health is a big, big issue in in sports, but also you know on a wider scale in society as well. Uh, you know, it's not it's not just isolated to sports; it's mm. isolated to any um, high performance environment, but mm. also isolated to any environment too. You know, where everyone's a human being, but it's um, amplified within high pressure environments, yes. and ultimately, sport is one of the highest pressures uh, pressure environment. In the world today, and that's why you know the the top players and the top leagues, you know, earn the millions and millions of pounds that, that you, you mm. earn to, to play at that level. Because alongside it, the pressures which come with it are tremendous. Yeah, and so, but in terms of actually understanding mental health, you know, why people think what they think, how they think, how that makes them feel, mm. the impact that that then has on emotions, you know, what are emotions, why do we feel emotions? This whole myriad is just a area in the sporting world, but again, as I say, also in society, yeah. <clears throat> which isn't firstly very, isn't understood and there also isn't a infrastructure around it. Mm, sure. So the infrastructure is, as an example, as a player, you go to the manager and you say, hi, boss, you know, really struggling mentally today. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, but but I, I just am. And then having a environment where that issue can actually be identified, yeah. can be spoken about, can be communicated, and then can ultimately be, be resolved. That infrastructure isn't there. No, as you not. said, you know, if you were to do that as a professional athlete, you would mm. most likely be dropped. And then you would also probably most likely be, uh, you know, um, a red flag would be up yeah. against your name. I mean, it's it's a strange one because studies show, and I know for a fact that I think it's 80% of performance is based on mindset, but also there's a direct correlation between mental health and mental illness and performance. So um, surely professional coaches and scientists and whoever in in the game would realize that because mental health is so important they should treat it differently i don't i don't really understand why it's why it's not what do you think yeah i think it's the um the infrastructure and the education so Mm. it's like you know uh, managers coaches trainers what what have they been educated in terms of yes, me- mental, absolutely. Perform- mental yeah. health, mental performance? Yeah. Like, w- what is their education? You know, mm, like, what totally. have they learned? What have they been taught? What do they understand? It goes back to society and education and how we're how we're taught at school. It's not even on the well. I don't think it is. Is it generally on the, even on the curriculum these days? Yeah, precisely. But then, most importantly, it's like what have they experienced? Mm. If you look at a lot of the top managers within the world yeah it's actually what they've experienced and they've been able to draw from these experiences and then apply a model of work and a model of management yeah a model of emotional intelligence and understanding sure to a group of players yes which then gets results you know football the likes mm. of pep guardiola yeah you know, uh, jürgen klopp so alex ferguson these were geniuses in terms of understanding yeah. the emotional mindset Absolutely. of a group but also the individuals within a group and then ultimately then from that getting the best out of them yes and getting the best out of them isn't shouting come on we need to do better no. getting the best out of them is understanding okay well why is he feeling totally. that way and why is he 100%. thinking in that way and actually what how can we get him from where he is to where we need him to be i think that applies in any business you know it's i'm i'm always a 
a advocate of managing the individual, not the team. You manage the team as well, but you've got to know what leadership hat to wear, when and to whom. Some people prefer a cuddle. Some people like being shouted at, right? But if you've got this one-size-fits-all approach, and, and I also think there's a misconception, you probably, well, you will know more than me, about footballers around, I think that there's a stigma around them perceived as not intelligent, don't have much integrity, don't have any emotional intelligence, but actually we're all human beings. And I think, I think the encouraging signs are like Pep Guardiola and those type of managers coming through and sort of changing the game in terms of leadership. Mm. Yeah, I would say so. But also it's at a fundamental level, the infrastructure needs to change, Mm. whether that's the FA, the PFA, the Premier League, um, FIFA. It's at this level um, you know, UEFA, it's at this level that change needs to take place and the infrastructure of whether it's the education, the learning, the yeah. qualifications, but also the model or the process for dealing with specific... I bet, I bet, it's, I bet mental health is hugely underreported, I guess. Would you mm. say that's the case? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, but again, I would say that that's not relevant to sport. That's just relevant to society. Yeah, you know, ev- everywhere there's you know, mental health is strife, and that's because again, we live in a consumer consume the, the consumerism that we all live within mm. isn't how we you know what, how we're programmed. You know, so we yeah yeah you know we're all everyone's consuming social media. Everyone's consuming you know news at a rapid rate. And there's that element of, you know, it's all very fickle. And what I mean by that is, you know, it can change the sentiment or the narrative can change in the blink of an eye. Absolutely. And therefore there's no real substance behind that. So then as a race or as human beings, Mm. you know, we're not really predisposed to handle that. No. So that's what's causing to a massive degree you know the a level of instability in terms of our thinking because it's like when you go to bed at night okay the sentiment on social media wasn't positive yeah you know to towards me or towards my belief set or towards my uh, business or whatever it is and it's like well mm. actually why should that matter like how, yeah. what is the importance and what is the the purpose and that's why again it pulls back into the purpose, you know, what is the purpose of individuals, you know, society, mm. the nation, the world? Like, what what is the purpose? Like, there needs to be a greater purpose. And I think yes. actually establishing that for society is going to be a, you know, big psychological shift. On that point of purpose, um, let's delve into that a little bit more because there's more to you than, you know, ju- I was going to say just setting up a well-being brand. I mean, what you've done is phenomenal, but there is a real intrinsic purpose as to why you've done this, not just because your injuries. It, I believe that you, you want to kind of impact people's lives, not just on a kind of a well-being level. It's more holistic. I'm getting the feeling that there's, there's a, there is a real definite purpose as to, as to why you've, you've done what you've done. Yeah, I think when, when, when I look at society as a whole, mm. And when you look at sort of generations, there's never been a higher level of dis-ease in the world today. And I think then there is in the world today. And it's almost like, well, how can we have so much technological advancements, Mm. so much, you know, exchange of information? You know, we live in the information age. You know, if you need information, it is at your fingertips, quite literally. And how can we have the this level of advancement in terms of technology 
even healthcare. Mm. You know, when you look at healthcare, the surgeries which take place now to save people's lives, mm. it's it's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And so, based on that, how can we then live in a society where actually there is zero emphasis on nutrition? Yeah. Zero emphasis on lifestyle. Yeah. And then also zero emphasis on your mind and your mental well-being. Mm. So it's almost like there's mm. as far as we've come, we've almost forgotten about or have been, you know, misled in terms of understanding what actually matters to us as human beings. Yeah. Yeah. And so mm. for, 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 for me, it's, it's really having seen that firsthand because I saw you know, take a capsule yeah. or consume raw natural ingredients yes. to help me yeah. physically achieve mm. my, be my best results. And it was like, well, raw natural nutrition did that. Yes. And so actually when you begin to realize that and have these, you know, sort of awakening and light bulb moments, yeah. you realize, well, if I'm experiencing that, how many other people are experiencing that in the world today? Yeah. And therefore, it's ultimately around building that awareness, that education as to yeah. alternative options to provide health through natural nutrition and ultimately, mm. you know, well-being um, to allow people to live their best lives possible. I want to delve into the purpose thing again, because I think people, some people think purpose is kind of this airy fairy word. And the reason why I'm so passionate about purpose is you might not know this, that, you know, I built a, a multi-million pound business. I got to 5 million, 10 million, 15 million, 20 million, 25, 30 million. Every time I, every time I got to this accolade or this award or this, this level of, of status financially and whatever, it was a bit like, oh, okay. Um, and then I kind of lost it all and I came back into, in, into the market and what I'm doing now, like podcasts like this and my mental health advocate and the stuff I'm doing that are impacting other people's lives, I'm getting more fulfillment out of leaving a legacy than I did than I was when I was doing that. It strikes me, I mean, you've, you've been an international footballer, you've been a Premier League footballer, you've scored um, uh, one of the best goals in the European Championships, phenomenally successful. I want to delve into you, what's success to you and how does what you're doing now compare to all those accolades? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think what does success you know, look like to me? I think very early on in my career, I realized that it's never about the outcome, it's about the journey. Mm. So you have to be passionate about the process of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So the process of what we're doing, we're gradually just changing people's lives. You know, we get four, five, 10, 15, 20 customer reviews on a daily basis right. of people who have used the product, used the range, and it has completely changed their lives, whether that was through, you know, helping reduce their arthritis in their fingers, whether it was through giving mm. them more energy in the mornings, whether it was through being able to abuse their immune system. Yeah. Whatever it was, we're getting these, cu these customer reviews and the process of doing what we're doing in mm -hmm. terms of delivering a high quality product to consumers yeah. within a market which is saturated with inferior products mm. which contain apple juice, you know, zero functional uh, ingredients. You you're carbon neutral as well, is that right? We're carbon neutral right. as a yeah, brand yeah, yeah. and as a, as a business. And again, it's steps like that which will continue to, you know, achieve and implement within the business infrastructure to allow us to be as sustainable as possible. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we want to be impacting positively people's lives. But we also want to be impacting positively the, the environment. Yeah. You know, so to have achieved a carbon neutral status at the stage which we're at is a phenomenal achievement. Mm. And 
it's simply about the process. So we have to enjoy bringing a high quality, natural, functional product yeah. to market, you know, building a brand, working in terms of how do we build education, build awareness in a very difficult climate where as a natural brand, you can't make health claims no. um, through the brand. So you can't actually make a claim, even if a customer leaves a review and says, this product has completely removed pain from my life. We can't market that review. Oh, okay. So that's because we're a natural pro product and, and uh, ingredient. Yeah. we only use natural ingredients. So yes. we're not a licensed medicine, but actually that is even more powerful for me because you know, the, the famous quote from Hippocrates was, you know, let food be thy medicine and let right. medicine be thy food. Yes. So hold on. We know for a fact that what we put into our bodies is medicine, which is food. And so for, right. you know, for us, it's a it's a really interesting time that we're we're in in terms of society and mm. everything, really, and the impact that we're doing and the mission that we're on. So what actually is the product? Is it a food or medicine? And also, uh, if you can't kind of... Um, utilize other people's references. How, how do you know what impact has it had? Uh, how does it help athletes? You know, what, what does what, what does it actually do? So, it, all, all it means is that um, what we deliver is a natural food. So, to be a licensed right. medicine, <clears throat> you need to have thousands of clinical studies. Yes, and then you also need to have uh, you know an eight or nine figure budget. Mm -hmm. to basically get a ingredient licensed as a medicine. Yes. Now, we're not that. We're a natural uh, uh, ingredient range, you know, which offers a product in a convenient um, format yes. to be consumed on a daily basis. It's like a shot, isn't it? So it's kind of like, for me, if, if I did that in the morning, it's kind of like I'm choosing to do something mm -hmm. positive. Mm -hmm. And I'm all, I'm all about kind of making the right choices and, and the habits. And I think... Because it's quite easy to do, that also helps as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, that whole convenient and that habit forming, building that positive habit and lifestyle into people's lives is massive mm. for us. But mm -hmm. also through a range of natural ingredients, which we know mm. has significant health benefits. Yeah. But just because it's not a medicine, it's not l licensed to be claimed. Right. right, so we've so that doesn't stop us from having over ten thousand customer reviews of the product changing their people's lives. Of course, yeah, yeah. We know that for a fact because we've seen them. We've got them firsthand. Is it used quite heavily in the in the football um, as well? Yeah, so uh, elite athletes use the product. Yeah, uh, but the majority of our customers are actually male and female, thirty five, forty plus. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So it's like obviously elite athletes will always be on the you know. Front curve of yes. nutritional health benefits. Mm. Mm -hmm. So you know they they can see the 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 margins and they know the impact that they that it has. So whether it yeah. improves their recovery, helps reduce you know uh, uh, aches and pains from training and exercise, gives them more energy, um, helps yes. boost their immune system. But yeah. also from a day to day person's life, it's like how can you live your best life? How can mm. you be, when you step out of bed in the morning and roll out of bed and you start your day, how can you be in the best condition possible? Totally. When I um, talk to my clients about advising them how to scale their businesses, I always start with the mission, the vision, the values and the purpose. Um, and more often than not, that enables the growth. Um, what, what is that for you in terms of turmeric 
Co. What's your mission vision? And you know, are you looking at being a huge company, or is it is it more is it more intrinsic than that? Would you say? No, I think like having targets is really important, and that aligns a vision. So it's mm. like when you say, um, you know, like you said, when you go into companies and you uh, you look at the mission, vision, and the the ultimate objective of what you're trying to achieve as a company what you're doing there you're creating collective consensus Mm -hmm. so when you have collective consensus you're more likely going to achieve the outcome agree and this is when you actually boil it down it could this could stem back as simply as you know visualization and realization you know what you're told as a young kid you're told to visualize becoming what you want to be yes. whether that's a professional footballer whether that's an astronaut whether that's a scientist mm. like visualize it like vi- yeah, so yeah. when you ha- have a business you're a collective of individuals mm-hmm. so when you're aligning on that vision and that mission you're creating that collective consensus so yeah for us as a business you know our collective consensus or our mission vision is around you know bringing a high quality product to people in all different walks of life and ultimately helping their journey to live their best lives through natural nutrition yeah so it's that's what we see as our vision and if we continue to achieve that we'll continue to achieve then the more you know tangible targets of okay we want to sell you know yeah we want to deliver in a hundred million shots to people you know we want to deliver you know a, a billion shots worldwide like all of these like yeah 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 sort of statement targets and objectives <laughs> but actually it's really about bringing a high quality product to people in all different walks of life consistently mm. and so you know that that's really where we are so have you kind of learnt leadership and to run a business along the way then because playing football versus being a ceo i assume you're the ceo i mean you must have good people around you talk about some of the kind of struggles you've had and difficult or di- difficult decisions or poor decisions you've made along your journey because you've been going for five years now would you say yeah yeah so uh, we launched in 2018 and i think um for me as you know sort of business leader ceo um it's very important to continually learn so <clears throat> the question of you know have you learned along the way 100 mm. percent, and i'm con- continually learning like mm-hmm. and i think the, the 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 art of being a you know a good business leader or a good manager is being open to not being right yeah and when you are that way then you can begin to you can definitely begin to build uh you know teams processes uh yeah uh, functions of the business which are aligned with your objective you know as a business leader you want to you want to do well mm. you know, you're more likely you're most likely going to be putting in the most hours you're going to be involved in different functions of the business and your objective yeah. is to not only build a strong team aligned with your vision mm. but also able to execute it and yes. therefore you need winners so it's that fine balance be- between yeah you know understanding that you need people who are aligned with the mission and vision but you also need Mm-hmm. real stone cold winners who mm. are here to get the job done yeah and i think that balance is what i'm i've learned massively and continue to learn and it's the the more that we continually to bi- continually build that into our business the more successful how have you identified that i mean i've got 25 years experience in the recruitment sector and i'm asked that question myself quite a lot but how do you identify for me it's 
behaviours and attitude over skills and experience all day long, all four great, but that, that kind of mindset attitude, how do you know whether someone's got that? I think you need to build a framework around what your business stands for first and mm -hmm. understand that. Once you understand that, you need to establish if that individual fits that framework. Mm -hmm. You know, so do they put customer values over commercial values first? Yeah, yeah. That's a real simple, but I can tell you in the businesses which, uh, you know, sell, say, for example, you know, drinks on, on shelf, you know, you go into retail yeah. uh, and see, sh uh, see the 50 or so drinks on the shelf, 60% of them will put commercial values over customer values. Profit you know, before people. Profit before people. Mm. So it's like, so for us, you know, mm. that, that it has to be people for profit. So that's a really important one. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but then, for example, you know, can they get the job done? You know, yeah, like yeah. you said, it's almost like <clears throat> that one is really important because you might find someone who you really like and you, you love being around them and you feel that they're really good for the team and good for the yeah. business, but they never quite get the job done. So yeah, they're always yeah, yeah. supported by either you or one of the team or, and then it gets mm. over the line. But then actually, you know, being true to the requirements of the business, yeah. they can't get the job done. Then they're not really the right individual. I'm really impressed because, you know, in, in football, it is all about the results. And obviously running a business, you need to have the results. But it feels as if you've kind of, you've, you've adopted, you've learned a lot. Um, from people, I think Brendan Rogers was one of your managers back in the day, wasn't he? Um, but also, you probably learned a lot of how not to lead as well. Um, talk to us about kind of some of the, you don't necessarily have to name names, but some of the kind of bad leadership you've, you've experienced. How has it affected you? And um, what, what tips would you give uh, leaders of today? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. I think you can see whether it's having been managed by top managers, having been managed by poor managers or mm. having come up against top managers or come up against poor managers. I think yeah, yeah. you can take a lot from <clears throat> the world of sports and the world of football because there is so much spotlight and visibility on that. So, mm. you know, a manager's press conference, how he deals with win wins and losses, you know, they're just, yeah. that's, you just tune in on a Saturday afternoon and see how, emotionally he deals with that how whether they he protects the team protects the players mm -hmm. or whether he you know puts spotlight onto the players and says you know that wasn't good enough to to like yeah things so there is a lot that you can take from football but i think back to your question you know like <clears throat> the biggest thing or for managers is to not have an ego mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. what what i mean by that is you know it, it's ultimately not about you like it is about the team, but when you're in a managerial position, you can very quickly think that it is about you. So an example yeah. of having an ego is saying, okay, we're going in this direction. And yeah. actually one of your coaches or one of your players says, actually, no, 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 we, we need to do this. We mm -hmm. need to do something else. Yeah. And it's opposed to what you, you, you have said or what you see yes. as right. Mm -hmm. And actually with data you know and everything in business a big element of what you do is you need it to be backed by data you know if it's yeah, opinion based yeah, you know yeah. just go with the manager go with the whatever it is mm. if it's opinion you may as well just go with mine mm. but if it's backed by data mm -hmm. and you still don't see it and your ego prevents you from actually saying well you know in the football environment yeah. okay well they've conceded 50 percent of set pieces in the last two games 
well, we're not going to practice set pieces. And someone says, no, we should practice it. Well, actually, yeah. there's data to support Absolutely. that we should. You know, same as in a business environment, you know, this channel is really firing and should be working or this type of creative or this type of product is what we need to be working towards because of consumer demand, et yeah. cetera. Yeah. And it's backed by data like you being open to actually changing your mind. Curious, curiosity is such a leadership superpower isn't it yeah precisely is mm. is you know is invaluable but on the flip side if you have an ego mm. and i've seen it in loads, my way or the highway <laughs> yeah exactly it, it just creates instability friction uh, animosity but, but that but i i think i think back in the 80s 90s noughties when you had like i don't know people like sir alex ferguson managers like that um even brian clough his dictat or their dictatorial approach kind of worked back then because I don't think people were as attuned or cognizant of anything other. And I think I think society's moved on around that. What worked then doesn't work now, right? Yeah, I, I definitely. I think that's that's definitely a valid point. And I think it's just that ability to, you know, it's that it's that emotional intelligence really. Mm. If you to have emotional in intelligence, yeah, you have to have at some level done some work on yourself absolutely so when you have an ego traditionally your ego is is through insecurity yes so you're insecure about being open yeah with this group or this at this time whatever it is yeah and through that insecurity you develop an ego which you feel then protects yeah your deficiency fear isn't it as well precisely yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's like almost like it but when you if you're if you've done the work and you've done your own self-work and you mm. understand why you think why you feel yeah. why you may get triggered totally then actually you can let go of an ego and you can actually say yeah. well you know what what is the best thing to hear the best thing to do here guys mm. what is the best route forward and then yeah to find consent it's often not the person saying the bad stuff against you or or, or the or doing the bad act that's the issue it's how you respond isn't it and how you deal with it looking inwardly and it's it's such a such a great thing and i think you never you never kind of out the woods and you can never stop growing and learning right and you you must have had to have done that to have your kind of no matter what um people were saying to you you know you can come back and you can play again you put in the back of your mind you probably thought you know my career is not going to be the same so you must have had to dug deep and kind of worked on yourself and personal development so talk talk about that in terms of any kind of personal kind of anxiety or mental health challenges you've had to deal with you talk about the injuries you know any specifics around some darkness and how you've how you kind of you've now evolved and pivoted into this very articulate very articulate kind of well-being focused human-led purpose-led person it's kind of have you always been like this or was it the injuries that brought you sort of further along that journey would you say um i'd say yes yeah, definitely you know we're, we're more often not you are um you know you're an outcome of your environment and so your environment does impact you know your experience you know mm. ultimately that, <laughs> that is the experience which you have um but for me i think definitely going through what I went through as a teenager, going through the adversity. And at that time, you know, there, there were tears, lots of tears, yeah, of lots course. of fear, lots of insecurity, lots of doubt. I remember after the second surgery, after the second surgery, like two months after, I think my, the, the wound where they obviously 
Mm. you know entered into my knee actually got infected and i had to go back into hospital right and i needed to go on to like antibiotics at that time mm. it was like you know is the graft going to heal properly it's the second time round it's really unlikely yeah yeah so all of this fear you know and i remember at the time you know sitting and there was a, a game on and it was like an under 19s england game and a lot of players who i had been you know sort of playing with or against what yeah. we were playing at that time and i remember just literally like just feeling just so much like sadness disappointment like yeah fear around not even being close to that you know now sure. it was like sure and so how did you how did you you know so how how did i come back from that and yeah it was just around establishing a focus establishing a model in my mind of understanding what i was feeling and thinking and it was like mm. like you said a bit early you know if someone like how are you the doctor saying you're not going to come back you know and that, and that generating fear but in the yeah. back of my head i would yeah. say to myself you know that that steely resolve i would say no i'm going to i'm going to do this yeah i'm going to do this we're coming towards the end. Um, fascinating discussion. A couple of more things I want to talk about, and then I want to talk a bit more about your business before we kind of kind of close. Um, things like gambling, drinking, um, drugs, that kind of stuff within football. Um, what was it like when you were? I know you've only just recently stopped playing, right? Mm. What was it like for you? And how how kind of under the radar is it? Because there's more people, you know, professional footballers that have admitted they've had these problems, but. Is it more widespread than people think? Um, gambling, drinking, drugs. I think, yeah, definitely there's a high level of that. And, and ultimately what each of those are releases. So yeah. again, it's a release from what? It's a release from, you know, a buildup of tension, a buildup of emotional, mm. um, uh, a, a buildup of emotion, a buildup of thoughts, fear, insecurity, yeah. pressure, Etc. And and ultimately, then being very little infrastructure for that actually to be resolved. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, there's there's high amounts of of gambling within sports, uh, within football. Uh, there's high uh, you know high amounts of drinking. You know, you, you see the likes of Wayne Rooney now. He comes out and says, mm. you know, when he was when he was feeling the pressure. And again, yeah, it's hard to look at it from the external outset because you're like. Why would he have pressure? He's yeah. earning a hundred thousand pounds a week, so it's a but it's a very different pressure. It's a high performance pressure. So he was eighteen, you know, earning fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand pounds a week at Manchester United, and the way that he would handle his pressure would mm -hmm. be to drink. Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. he'd go home, lock himself in a room. Because you kind of, you've got the money, you've got the fame. It's kind of like you haven't got the substance or the purpose mm. or the fulfillment. I think that's probably why. Do you reckon? Yeah, precisely. You know, but again, you know, money is superficial. Is is yeah. is time mm. really? You know, mm. when when you have money, you you're you're you have a higher level of freedom through time. You know. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, so money. What was the other one you said? Money, fame. fame. You know, what is fame? You know, fame I, is so I, I, I've super. I've heard superficial. stories that that some footballers um, between training and games. They can't think of anything better to do than do video games for six, eight, eight, ten hours a day because they, they've got nothing else in their life that they can see that will give them fulfillment. I mean, I don't know how true that is, but um, I think each their own, definitely. But there's a lot of players who will who will use that as a release. Mm. But if that's what they need as a release, then brilliant. You know, like yeah. video games, a lot a lot better than 
you know, a, a drugs or alcohol addiction. Sure. But ultimately, what they're what you're you're saying there is, you know, stemming back to purpose. So, mm. and within sport and particularly within football, you have to be so hyper focused on the goal, on the profession that it's very hard to sit down and say, okay, well, I'm actually going to read yeah. this book today because I'm interested <laughs> in, you know, philosophy or I'm interested yeah. in business or I'm interested. Yeah. In, can you take the risk to do that? So you then have these, you know, offset, uh, you know, hobbies or addictions, you know, whether it's golf or sure. uh, uh, video games or gambling or alcohol. Mm. So it's like just the, it just needs to be communicated and, and, there needs to be a greater level of understanding around, yeah. you know, emotional, uh, the emotional Definitely. pressures and, and the environments that, that professional sports are in. What's your view on how racism's changed in in professional sport and also your view of taking the knee, which is still happening in the uh, Premier League? Um, yeah, I think racism is still prevalent around the world. I think that's that's a fact. So therefore... Does that mean it's in sport as well? Well, yeah, obviously. You know? mm, so, um, so I think again, that's a, a more of a society societal change that needs mm. to occur. Um, taking of the knee, uh, you know, was in relation to Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. You know, Black Lives Matter is, you know, what what was that a movement um, or was that a a statement? Mm. You know, so was it a movement of you know? this is the agenda which needs to take place yeah. and this is what we're, or are we saying, you know, black lives matter, you know, because mm. obviously black lives matter, mm. you know, just as every life in the world matters. Mm -hmm. But what we're saying is, you know, are we saying that black lives are undervalued, black lives are at more at risk? Yeah. Like, so I think, again, you know, through the fickleness of society and the age and the world that we live in, mm -hmm. it's almost like, the meaning of it gets you know subjugated and actually yeah. gets lost because sure. what is it so then what so then we're now taking the knee are we taking the knee for yeah. black lives matter the movement or black lives what's the purpose matter? of it what, what why are we doing yeah. it yeah. so yeah, again yeah. you know not, mm. it's um i think there just needs to be better clarity and then a clear objective and mm. purpose to it gender pay do you think women should be paid the same as men in football um, so again, the big thing here is that 100% around equality. Mm -hmm. And so there is, there is the, the logical uh, example is women should be paid the same as men. So same whether it's in tennis or same whether it's yeah. in... So, but from a commercial perspective, you then need to also dive into it. So mm. what are the, <clears throat> what is the, you know, uh, gross revenue of women's sport yes football right and what is the gross revenue of men's mm -hmm. everything combined you mm -hmm. know, gate receipts yeah yeah uh, um uh, f uh gate receipts merchandise tickets sales streaming revenue of course so actually from a business perspective yes okay well that is the value of that business then the value of that business in terms of then men's pay mm -hmm. so salary yeah yeah is x percent right across board or an average x of that overall general uh, uh total gross uh, revenue mm. 
then do the same for women. So mm-hmm. what we're actually saying is as well, yep, then women should be the same percentage as that. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. So, but what the bigger emphasis needs to be on is yeah, how yeah. can we raise yes the, the overall uh, 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 the overall gross revenue generated yeah. within women's football. Mm. And that's Gonna what take, needs take to take a long time, won't it, I think? Uh, well, you know, I think the Women's World Cup, I think that was well, uh, that's streamed. True. And yes. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of different um, elements, which are, you know, a lot of different factors, which are actually showing that women's football um, is, is as popular as men. So it's about consolidating that and developing it as a, yeah. you know, sufficient model, because it's like, well, if the, you know, say for example, you know, Lionel Messi or, Neymar, you know, they're earning 500 grand a week. Yeah. Okay, well, then we need to pay that to the best women's footballer in the world. Yeah. Well, that'd probably bankrupt the... How? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, actually, the what needs to happen is yeah. the route and the infrastructure. That makes sense. Build that out. That makes and sense. And then... Because we, we all want it, but we've got to be realistic as how we're going to get there. Yeah, precisely. Makes sense. So kind of in closing, shortly, um, who have been your role models? You talked about your dad quite a lot. I want to know a bit more about him and maybe some 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 top managers you've worked with as well. Yeah, role models, one hundred percent. Like my dad, um, you know, he's um, came to came to this country as a teenager, um, studied law, uh, you know, w- went and worked as a civil servant for you know thirty odd years, um, and obviously you know developed the the product range mm, that, that we have today. Amazing, is you know <laughs> integral part of of our business and our journey. Um, my grandfather, vicar of Kensington, you know, wow, okay. um, great, was uh, a, you know another great role model. Um, his compassion, his empathy, um, mm. some really incredible traits, uh, which you know I've you know have branched into the family and you know, mm. sort of take inspiration from mm-hmm. um, in terms of you know management role models you know the likes of brendan rogers yeah steve clark right um but then at a sort of the next level again you know younger ages Eamon dolan you know unfortunately passed away but was a right. integral um human being in my development as a mm-hmm. as a young individual yeah um as the academy manager of of reading at the time yeah um, and he oversaw um, you know, dozens of, of young professionals aspiring to have careers, have careers, which I think is a, is an incredibly um, uh, unique trait. Um, yeah. As well as the likes of, you know, Dermot Drummy, who again, unfortunately passed away, but was one of the academy um, coaches at Arsenal and who actually spotted me mm. as a 10-year-old mm-hmm. um, and identified me. And yeah, I think each of them have played significant roles in in my growth and in my development and, great um yeah it's uh, as i said re- really fortunate to have that and and now you know definitely in terms of the business environment I won't name names but there's a lot of individuals who are you know continually supporting um me with with my endeavors within the business and within the business itself who mm-hmm. have you know an extensive amount of experience and expertise within um, you know this this vertical of of um, life. So yeah, we've covered quite a lot. If there's one thing left, uh, to tell the audience one thing about yourself that we don't already know. Um, one thing about myself that you don't already know. Um, 
Yeah, well, there's lots. Isn't there? <laughs> um, well, something interesting that would. Uh, um, yeah, let me have a think. Um, so, when I was young, yeah, <laughs> when I was young, I had. I don't know where you want to go with this, but yeah, had um, was fascinated with well, a single set of pajamas, and <laughs> it was a uh, pineapple pajamas, and I wore them until they were. Um, literally like rags. No way. Yeah, because uh, when I was like seven or eight, and I think um, just committed to to them, just really passionate about them. I just thought they were the best things ever. It's funny how you've got kind of that pineapple element into your products <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So pineapple, pineapple. Pajamas. There we go. So and um, if there's one thing that people can take away from this podcast, what it, what would it be in terms of kind of leadership, self development, kind of transitioning yourself from adversity, all that kind of stuff. Um, I would say the biggest thing is being open to change, um, but also making sure that you have a purpose. You know, I've said it pr previously with everything yeah. that, that, you know, all the talks or anyone asks me a question, it's mm. like, well, what is the purpose? You know, I'm, I'm looking to start this company. It does X, Y, Z. Well, what is the purpose of that? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have a purpose, then you're going to come up against some serious adversity. And the only way that you can overcome that is with a strong enough purpose, Absolutely. which is bigger than that adversity that you'll challenge for your face so i absolutely love that it's been really interesting it's been really insightful and i'm really impressed with everything you said what you're doing and your purpose so it's been a, a, a humbled honor to have you on my show thank you so much no pleasure thank you very much for having me chris cheers thomas <laughs>